Okay, with Luke Sargent, Love Songs of Oedipus Rex is the short film played at the Black and White uh, Film Festival. It's a documentary about Benjamin Hackman, who's a musician. Uh, because it's a Black and White Festival, was uh, first question I asked for you, was this always going to be in Black and White? Was this always designed to be in Black and White? Yes, it was. Uh, for me, that was a technical reason because I shot it on a 7D and the picture <laughs> quality just wasn't that great for color. So. Yeah. It's kind of an easy choice to make it black and white, but also the band, uh, the Holy Gasp, who are featured in the show, um, they only ever photograph. It, Benjamin's really sort of very clear on his vision of what the band looks like and is, and he's really into the beat era, and uh, they only photograph in black and white. So, you know, we talked about that early on and kind of said, this is an aesthetic that I'd like to maintain, and is that okay with you? Like, yeah, that's perfect. Let's do it. So then, you know, the addition of the only color is like the text on screen. Yeah. Which I think is nice. Like it's, it's kind of like a poster or something, you know? So, okay. So then where did you, like, this is a kind of a, it's, it's almost like an album documentary about making an album and like the personal, yeah. personal emotions that come in through someone's soul or what they're dealing with at the time. And it's coming out in their music, I guess. Right. That's sort of the thematic of the film. That's exactly it. Yeah. Just how does somebody deal with, you know, all that all the life is throwing at them, and and sort of how they make their their art. You know, how great, they, right? They, yeah, yeah. What about yourself personally? So this is what's happening with the filmmaker. Is something going on with you while you're making this film? Not to get too personal. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I mean, Benjamin's a friend, and so this was like just a really idyllic. You, you, Matthew, you know Toronto, so Toronto Island is like this really beautiful little sort of ferry ride away uh, and it's, there's like a bunch of old hippies who live on one side of the island and then there's a bunch of beaches and stuff like that and there's this recording studio where um, you know they it was kind of cheap to go to so they sort of decided to like hold up on the island for two weeks or 11 days and, and you know cut this album so uh, personally for me we we just had our first kid and I just kind of had to like get permission to go because it was like, Hey, can I take off with a sleeping bag on my bike yeah. tripod and camera and go and, you know, live on the Island for a couple of weeks while these guys, these, you know, crazy. How old was your kid when this was happening? I'm sorry. Uh, he was about one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's tough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm serious about being a dad. So that means, you know, pitching in wherever I can. So, um, so yeah, that was the only personal thing. And then it was just like a lot of fun. Like we we got to use the sauna. So we went like skinny dipping in the in Lake Ontario in November and then ran back into the wood fired sauna and uh, at night. And you know, there was just lots of like little moments that I remember that were really, you know. So what like what like so was this always intended to be like a 20 minute short film? Like what was your kind of kind of idea when you're set out to start shooting? That's a great question. I didn't really have a plan. Like I'm an editor and and uh, by trade, and so I I kind of get how much footage it takes to make a documentary. And I didn't. My vision for this at first wasn't a feature. It was a um, like a 44 minute, one hour TV piece. And okay. so as soon as it was shot, I had about 90 hours of footage, and I knew that this was like way too much to handle. So I started chopping it around at CBC. Short docs. At first, I, I wanted to speak with CBC about making a full hour documentary, and they said no, but talk to short docs. And uh, so 
they bought it on like a trailer that I'd cut out of the footage. And that's when I started editing. And I was able to kind of, because of the money from that, I was able to kind of block off like some months to work on this. And to kind of, and so 22 minutes or whatever it now lands at, 21 and change, is like the longest they would allow me to make this. But so I, you, I really had, you know. Do you have another, do you have a longer film in here? Like, do you want to make it, like, do you have footage to make it into a feature? To be honest, Matthew, no. I have the footage on a hard drive, but I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You've, you've it was a lot. And, you know, I think if someone, you know, if the band takes off and becomes like a Led Zeppelin type thing, sure, we've got an archive and you can dig back in and look at some of the other stuff. But a lot of the story that you see is the core of it. And that was the hardest part, I think, in making this was kind of trimming away all the other stuff, all the other problems that other characters had um and really just kind of you know centering it around the core question which is like what's the emotional journey of our character right yeah it's it's what you 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 take us into that shack it's like it looks like a shack and it's like yeah. you if you pass by it you're like like nothing's going on in here you right as you assume yeah and then you yeah, or something it. scary <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly or they, like then you could take us in and it's like it's really interesting kind of the process there's like chalkboard on the wall and there's like all these things that are kind of occurring like the the kind of like almost like a uh a practical focus on the creative i guess right like it's like there it's very it seems very structured and he he's the leader i guess you know he's a leader and he's bringing like what is it 16 musicians with him to, to make this album that's right yeah yeah he's He's definitely the the lyricist, the songwriter, and um, and yeah, he's the leader. And the band morphs and changes. Like you know, it's not it's not like they go on tour with all sixteen players. Yeah. Uh, but you know, now he's doing like these, you know, accompaniments of two people, and he's and they're playing like jazz in the background downtown Toronto, and he's doing like sort of live therapy with the audience. Um, so it really takes different shapes, like, and then he's got these big orchestral performances, and, you know, stuff like that. So it really takes different shapes. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, very structured in terms of, you know, the layouts. And then also it's just like, if you've ever done a big project like a movie, you know, you have sort of a schedule that makes sense. And you yeah. only bring the brass people in on this day because you can't pay them for six days or seven days, you know? So, kind of get all your brass recordings at once and that's what that chart was really about yeah no it, it's it's so interesting where like you kind of forget that when you see someone so creative like him there is a certain kind of uh like there's a certain kind of personality trait that you need like you said is using a director as an example could be the most creative person in the world but there's got to be like the t they have to follow him there's got to be that confidence that they he knows what he's doing and he's got to it's communication i guess right like he has to communicate yeah. to the musicians what what the goal is, I guess, right? What the focus is. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Benjamin's a great communicator. He's a great listener, um, you know. And and I think, yeah, you're right. Like a director is like that as well. I always think of directing as like hosting a party. You know, you get a bunch of people together. You're like, hey, do you mind going and lighting the candles? And do you mind, uh, you know, checking if someone needs a drink? And you kind of like. You got to keep your eye on everything going well, basically on. Basically, what I'm what I just said is that you put people to work when when you go to your house for a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come over <laughs> to my place. I'll put you to work anytime. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just it's just interesting. So, okay, so you were did you you like you just said you're on a on a on a backpack or whatever? Like you shot this yourself? This was just you? You did you did the yeah? Design? This was this was 
me, I had a, I, okay, so I took my bike, my 10-speed little, you know, shitty bike down to Toronto Island with a guitar case. And in the guitar case was the tripod in the neck and then like camera, zoom recorder and stuff in like the body, if you can picture it. Yeah. And, uh, and then I had this guitar case on my back and maybe another little shoulder bag or something, and a sleeping bag that I left there. And yeah, it was just me. I had like an audio recorder, very, very basic. Um, but I had a tripod and I borrowed some, some other sort of toys, like this little, it's almost like a skateboard tripod thing that you could like roll back and forth. And, uh, you know, I borrowed a few other sort of lights and stuff like that from friends. And then, yeah, I just kind of shot it all on my own and tried to make it look like there were more people than there yeah. are. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's your day. It, it's very nice. Like, 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 with, like when you're shooting, did they kind of almost like forget that you're there? Like what was the, yeah. 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 I mean, there was, you know, because I knew Benny, uh, there was a lot of, he's, he's a great host and he kind of brought me into the circle with, with the band. And because I'd been there from the beginning, all the other players who were coming onto the Island just for like a day, you know, they just kind of, they kind of allowed me in. And so I had a lot more interviews with people, I think that maybe didn't make it into the cut or maybe just a few words came in, but they were great. You know, musicians are really collaborative people by nature. And so, yeah, it was easy for me to be a fly on the wall. It was sometimes, you know, they'd even be asking me like, what do you think about this song? Or what do you think about this, this whatever, you know? And I would kind of weigh in a little bit. So, you know, it was a lot of fun uh, to make it, to be, to be involved like that intimately with, with such a sort of band. Yeah, no, and he's like, the, he's, he's the conductor, right? Like, it's yeah. like, like he's conducting and like, it was like, you didn't, you, I guess it makes sense, but you didn't really notice that where like, he is bringing in different musicians at a time and then they're just like recording it and they're putting it into their editing machine. Right. Which is fascinating. Whereas like, yeah. I guess back in the day, you couldn't do that. You would have to like, everybody would have to show up at the same time, I guess. Right. Uh, well, up until you know, eight track recording or whatever they used okay. to do on mags. Yeah, I think they do break it out quite a bit, but but nowadays with digital, it's way more. And this is, you know, this is a great little studio on Toronto Island, but it's pretty basic too. Uh, people like it because it's got kind of a warm, kind of hippie vibe to yeah. it. Uh, but it's like you're, the right guy too, right? you're not you're away from the city. You can't you can't just think exactly. you can like land on the streets of Toronto. You're like secluded. Yeah, yeah, it takes a bit to get there. And, you know, you can get home for dinner if you want, back to Toronto. But, yeah, for the most part, you're hanging out on the beach and eating whatever these guys brought uh, last week, you know, and drinking their beer. Yeah. And so, you like, uh, I like how you, so you probably, I'm assuming you had, like, tons of interviews with all the collaborators, like the saxophonist. You really, got, yeah. you were interested in her, I guess, right? Uh, trying to remember her name. Uh, who, like she, she, you, you interviewed her more than a few times. Like she seems to be a focal, one of the focal points of your film. Besides uh, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, she, I can't remember her name off the top of my head either right now. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, we had a few good, you know, a few situations with some of the more core members of the band, and um, you know, like I said, they were just really willing and and really willing to talk, and yeah, you know, I I also going into a documentary like you don't always know what the story is and you find that in the edit so I asked a lot of questions just about like the music and I was talking to them about you know they kept using this word pulse and I'm, in, I'm a drummer as well Benjamin's you know a terrific percussionist and so I wanted to know about like 
what does pulse mean to you? And is it tempo? And so I had a whole bunch of questions about, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then, yeah, I, you know, just tried to design it to kind of cover everything, yeah. you know, cover all the subjects that I thought I could, I could, you know, make a movie out of. It's like the way you're making it is like where you're the audience in a sense where like you're gathering the information that the audience needs to know to understand how this album is is progressed like I guess right absolutely yeah yeah absolutely and and I mean the other thing about Doc is that you know I'm trying to be objective and I know I told you that I was like very much immersed into their circle which which was lovely but there were things uh, we made a few rules early on about you know just sort of how much control Benny could expect in a yeah. project like this and how, you know, so I basically gave him the opportunity to look at one cut when I was happy with it. And it was basically like almost picture locked. And the only question I asked was, is there anything in here that you find offensive mm. and that you want me to take out? Yeah. But it wasn't like, give me style points, give me ideas. Sure. What should we talk about? You know, I wasn't going there and he was really generous in terms of just saying like, nope, you know, it's, it's okay. And, and great job kind of thing. So there was, you know, there was some stuff around his ex-wife that he, he wanted trimmed out and we did, but um, yeah, again, just trying to be objective and trying to tell the story for what, what it is that I saw from the outside and not so much the inside baseball, you know? Well, what stands out with him is that there's an intensity, of course, but his hair stands out too, right? He's got this, yeah. he's got this crazy hair. It's almost like he's curly from the Three Stooges, right? Oh yeah, he's yeah. He's got a tattoo on his, he's got a, a Three Stooges tattoo on his arm, actually. There you go. Uh, and Benny, <laughs> Benny's a very proud uh, bald guy, balding guy. He's no, it's Larry. It's Larry, right? I say curly. It's Larry from the Three Stooges. No, but yeah. Oh well, his tattoo is of the. Quiet one. Oh no, I'm sorry, not three stooges. It's the um sorry, it's the Marx brothers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a tattoo on his arm with one of the Marx brothers. But yeah, certainly the um like vaudeville Jewish Hollywood kind of, you know, pantheon is is his bread and butter. And yeah. Uh, certainly, totally. yeah. Yeah, he really digs that. Um but yeah, I remember him like at one point because I'm losing my hair. Uh, and I have been since my early twenties. He's like, just go for it, man. Grow your hair out. Go nuts. I was like, I don't have what you've got, man. I'm not. No. <laughs> uh, you don't have that. He's got the structure for it in his in his face and his eye and glasses. You don't. I'm just. It's an audio podcast. Yeah. Just like yeah. Just you don't. Oh okay. <laughs> but, yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, it suits him, and he's you know he's he's a really unique person. He's got a very clear yeah. aesthetic, and, and it works for him. No, that's what I'm doing. It's his persona. It's like it's like everybody has like, especially when you're a lead singer or something, you have to have a a certain salesmanship, a certain persona, and like he's memorable because of his hairstyle. Simple. That's right. That's right. And people, you know, if you go to Kensington Market in Toronto, people know him, and you know, people will stop you if you're walking with him, and oh, hey, how's it going? And you know, like, yeah. yeah, that's that's definitely a part of it all. And I think, you know, it's great. It's like in a weird way it's like a way of building the small town community a little bit yeah you know, where it's like you see that same person five times and you talk to them the sixth time and you're friends by the tenth time you know and yeah uh, that's like that's what we're all looking for i think in a community the the yeah toronto has all these small communities the beginning this this that note is that you're at you're at the jewish deli in the opening scenes in the film that's in mississauga yeah. right is that in mississauga 
Uh, no, that closed down. Um, that was called Kaplansky's. Kaplansky's, yeah. Yeah, that closed down now, but it's on just north of Kensington. It used to be, uh, I can't remember the street name, but it was like right there, okay. basically between Spadina and Bathurst. Uh, on oh, it's right there. It's right downtown. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it was. They had a few pop up, and then I'm not sure what happened, but he closed that one down. Yeah, but but all those places that we kind of introduced the film, those are all like special places, either to me or to Benjamin, um, you know, just for different reasons. And uh, so we kind of did a little like walk around town. All right. So you you said you're you're a trained editor, you're a professional editor, and then so you got the footage. So I'm curious because you this is a CBC uh, production, so people uh, who don't live in Canada, CBC is kind of like um, I guess it's the it's the it's the public, it's the public station, meaning that it's like, it's funded by the government, almost like the BBC yeah. in, in the UK, where like, yeah. so they fund people like yourself, or they, they make, they make TV shows or whatever, but it's generally, it's for the arts, I guess, in a sense. So my long-winded question is that, do they, do they, act, they give you notes on your film? Like what's the, what's the process with working with them? Yeah. So essentially, you know, I was like, I wore many hats, but I was the producer and CBC acted like an executive producer. Okay. And so in a sense, you know, they they had the rights to broadcast this exclusively other than film festivals, which I argued, you know, I wanted to have uh, those rights. And then also, um, yeah, they would get, you know, they would get sort of a, like a, a say in how the cuts went. And so okay. certainly they give notes. They had, you know, the CBC short docs specifically had sort of a system of how they make their shorts and they wanted to it wasn't a script so much to follow but because it was already shot you know it was hard to sometimes fit my vision into their parameters sure. yeah. it you know it would have been easier i think if they had if we had started together gotcha because uh, i would have gone out looking for what they were asking for more in a sense but but it was good you know their process was good and a few times like when you're editing i think the best thing you can have is perspective and so it's best to wait to share with different people at different times so that they have those fresh eyes. Yeah. So, you know, in their case, um, I was working with, you know, Leslie, this one woman who was, you know, pretty high up in their, in their structure there. And she was giving great notes. She was talking about, you know, like just really drilling this down. This is what I was saying at the beginning, like just really drilling down into what is the core of the story. What is the main character? What is their, what is their goal? Right. And it's tough. Like at one point, you know, they didn't want to sort of, I think they wanted it to end at the end of the recording and this whole like tacked on kind of denouement thing that happened after where he's like terribly depressed in the church and making something that he's not terribly excited about, or maybe he's excited, but, you know, yeah. and the depression kind of continues. It was like, do we have to end like this? And that was, you know, because I'm an editor, usually I'm really happy just to like do the notes and say, okay, it's your, it's your show. Gotcha. But I picked, you know, I picked that to dig in on and say, no, this is the one I'm going to fight for. Cause I feel like this is more important to tell the whole story Yeah. rather than just give people like a false kind of happy ending or a false, up, yeah. you know, ending as it were. So yeah, so that kind of went back and forth and um, and then a bunch of other stuff, you know, there's just a bunch of other stuff that got cut, which was probably for the best, honestly. 
It's I, I found it interesting uh, that because CBC is is not for profit. It's for profit. It's got to make it's got to the, the checks and balances have to like even out, of course. But yeah, where it's not capitalistic, I guess you could say we're like, say you're working with uh, CTV or like, right. They they're they want to make money from your documentary. And I'm not I don't I'm always curious what the point of view is from. And it's what you just said was great. I love hearing that We're from the kind of the executives or the kind of executive producer giving you notes. It's like, I, I was alone. I was, I was curious what the angle is. Right. It, yeah. Well, they, so I think their angle was like, if they weren't worried about, you know, if you're broadcast on TV, you, you got to watch swearing. You have to, sure. You can't sort of, you know, but they weren't worried about any of that. I was like, Ooh, this can be kind of risque and punk. But um, yeah, like I said, they, they wanted to fit into sort of a little a little box that they had sort of predetermined. Sure. And their currency may not be dollars, but it is impressions. And so they they really want you know there was a whole social media aspect. I'm not very much involved with social media, but yeah, I, you know they're like, are you on Twitter? You should get onto Reddit. You should start posting on Reddit now so that when the film comes out, you know, you can have like a following on Reddit and then you yeah. can da, da, da. And so there is a currency. And it's like, you know, the more audience per show, the better they do, I guess. And so they really want, you know, they really want participation in that sense. Yeah. Which is great. It makes sense. You know, it's like if you have any kind of feedback on your work, you know, you should strive for the best uh, example of that. But yeah, they want to be relevant, right? That's what they want. That's it. But I mean, you know, I don't want to knock. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 smart. It, it's just like there's also like a show about big men and small dogs, like a, a short back about big men and small dogs. Yeah. Everyone kept going back to it, like this is the best, and like it got it did really, really well. Oh, and it's like, oh okay. Back in our day, like uh, Baywatch was the most popular show in the world. It doesn't mean it was the best show in the world, right? Like it's just I exactly, exactly, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. God bless the algorithm and all that. There's a reason, yeah. There's a reason why certain things have are popular, like like big dogs and whatever, right? The small dogs and big people, whatever, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, there's a there's a gimmick, I guess, in its front, and so yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, but no, so what, but curious, because that's why we're talking, because you submitted it to this film festival. Why did you want to keep that open? Why did you want to keep submitting the festivals open? Um, you know, I just see it as like a calling card. It's my first sort of, you know, I've directed a few little things, but I wanted the chance to show this to people outside of Canada. I wanted, you know, I felt like yeah. short docs, CBC Short Docs on Gem is kind of a small corner of the internet in some ways. And, uh, it's really nice that that they wanted to to support the film, but um, yeah, I just wanted to keep the door open, I suppose. Gotcha. So, how's it doing? Is it how's it doing on the festival circuit? You getting some uh, getting some screenings, getting people to open their eyes? No, no, not very much interest at all. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. You know, I'm happy I did it and everything, but uh, no, like I did a huge blast of submissions, and I was like. We've never had so many submissions. This year has been a record. And sorry, but your film was not selected after careful combing through our fifteen thousand selections or whatever, you know, or fifteen thousand submissions. Like it seems like short film, the marketplace in short films has just exploded in the last few years. And then um, perhaps it's the you know democratization of digital, but uh, festivals seem to be just like 
Well, what happened was that, because I obviously this is what I do for a living. What happened was that if you, it's an interesting subject because, uh, or for me at least, is that people during COVID, people had a lot of films that they didn't edit that were sitting in there on their, on their computer screen. Right. They had time to edit their films during COVID. Plus during COVID, a lot of people got really creative. So they yeah. basically started shooting films, especially documentary, especially dance films, experimental. Those kind of films became huge because like people had time and there was that kind of individuality aspect like yourself where you can just go out. And if you know what you're doing, you can make a solid film like without much help, I guess, right? So then that's why that that's right. exploded, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's just, you know, the onus is on the festivals and them hiring enough jurors or, or getting enough volunteers or whatever to screen. Yeah, yeah it seems like uh, there's a proliferation in festivals, but there's also just like a huge amount of, of people submitting. Yeah. But at the same time, this is a pretty solid documentary film. But I, I see probably maybe a thousand documentary shorts a year. This is like I see a lot of documentary shorts. This is pretty. This wow. is a pretty solid film, right? So, like, thank you, thank you. Like I'm just like I'm not just BSing because I'm just I can tell you off the podcast too. It's a pretty. It's a nicely tight, nicely photographed film. Really interesting character. It's like a nice creative process too, right? Like not overdone as well too. Like you got you got your major points. And you uh, and you execute your point. But other than me, like we sent the audience feedback to you. What did you think about the audience reactions to your film, the video that we sent you? Yeah, it was so so nice. You know, uh, it was just lovely to hear people's impressions and hear that people watched it. And you know, they were kind of picking up what I was putting down, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Like they were really sympathetic to Benjamin and and saw him as an artist and just as somebody who. You know, he, he obviously is, but yeah. I think that's what surprised me the most was that people were, you know, really seeing, I suppose we were saying it the whole time, but we did, I didn't really set out to say it. Um, they were just seeing that, like, from hardship comes creativity, right? Yeah. And uh, that was sort of the feedback, which was lovely. Uh, but then, you know, if I could, if I could just ask, like, was there any negative feedback or was it because I, I just really wondered like oh i'd be happy to hear like, no they're honestly they're really they're i can i can chrome through the the raw footage <laughs> which i I'm, admittedly i don't do basically right. but, yeah but, uh i can see but i don't think i think it's a it's just a fun like not a fun film but it's like it is a fun film but it's like it's just a solid film about and there's an allegory too about about our like in the last few years we just discussed with covid we're like it's like it's like like people are being created during during conflict and during their own yeah. conflict right there and that's part of what has happened in the last few years and so and yeah there's it's just the, it's just the creative like i said what i got out of it is the creative process within it's like the within this concept where like there's got to be it's that personality that leader personality who's structured yeah. Who can talk to different people, different musicians, everybody, you know, there's a difference between a guitarist and a saxophone player and a violinist and, and communicating with them, right? There's, there's, there's making them speak the same language. I'm, I'm, I think I am. And I think many people are fascinated by that process. That's why I was asking you about oh, yeah. the longer version, because it's like, it seems like, I know you're moved on, but it's like, it seems like this is like, there's something really fascinating with this kind of process. Yeah. Well, I, and you're right. And it's not only that like the, the band leader, like Benjamin would have to speak to the musician. He's also a grant writer. 
He's also, you know, he's there looking all the time to yeah. record companies for labels and deals. And, you know, he's also like a salesperson on that side of things. Yeah. And, you know, I saw a lot of similarity actually to what he does and to sort of being like an indie filmmaker. Of course, 100%. It's just that big borrow steel kind of mentality um, uh, for everything. Like, what can we do? What have we got? What can we do with it? You know, yeah. how many days have we got? How many people can we get into here? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, it's a nicely solid film. So I hope you guys, you keep submitting to our festivals and I uh, love this film. I thought Black and White was perfect. And uh, yeah, so I hope you're able to make more films and and I hope the festivals treat you better. It's bottom line. Oh, thank you so much, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate talking to you about it. And um, yeah, if anybody's listening from the US, uh, please vote in these midterms. <laughs> well, we're going it will show up. It's like the voting. We're doing the podcast on voting day. So it will show up. The podcast will be like later. Oh, yeah. after those days. It's but, not then, live. but then the general in general elections in two years. Yeah. Make sure you keep voting. Right. So yeah. Yeah. General elections. And I'm just terrified. <laughs> let's keep the good. Let's keep the good karma. Right. Because I think we're scared of, uh, of fascism, I guess. Right. So yeah, that's it. Exactly. Opposed fascism as a closing note. <laughs> I'm assuming you're, I, I was I was projecting your political ideology. I was assuming that that you didn't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we should all be a little more scared of fascists. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, schlemiel, schlemazel.